afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your maven of mystery, Roxy's Wicker from New England Curiosities, here with the amazing Ken. That would be me. You I look guess. surprised. Amazing? Wow. Amazing? Well, t- somewhat. Somewhat amazing? <laughs> the, okay, so the somewhat amazing Ken. The okay. And once again, the invisible professor, Lou Glassies. Oh, what but is it with the show? It, we're just used to it now. Like you're not going to see him until we really get started. Yeah, it's it's his. Uh, you I don't guess, want to see what I'm doing right now. Each show is different. <laughs> Every show is, is unique and different mm-hmm. and exciting. And if you are joining us for the first time here at Wicked Curious, we are a show about all things strange, unusual, most curious, and of course haunted, ghostly, and otherwise. And we have quite the show for you today. In fact, I am extremely excited to talk about today's subject matter because we have a few fascinating tidbits to share with you. And when I say tidbits, I do mean bits. Bits (laughs) and bobs of body parts. Nice. And something strange that came in the mail, which we brought with us to the studio today. So we're going to do a little bit of unveiling of something really special that I was super excited about. But we are um, going to be talking about corpses and body parts and death. And oh, so I wore the perfect shirt, you, shirt today. You did you wear know? the perfect well, shirt today. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't know? You knew what we were bringing to the studio yep. today. So yes. I just randomly grabbed a shirt this morning. And, and here I was thinking you were really hungry. I was just starving. For, for those of you that um, are My unable... My diet's working really good. Your diet's working too good. For those of you that are unable to see us, if you're not watching us on Facebook Live, Ken is wearing his skeleton t-shirt today. So it looks Glows like in he's... The dark. He's it does glow in the yes. dark, so um, we'll shut the lights off. No, no. Um, it yeah, does glow in the dark. It does. So uh, he's got the big skeleton oh, just, chest going I think, on. I think he's oh no, Lou's Lou's gonna shut the light. Oh, but we oh, have but these we, guys. Oh, we got our we got our lights here. Well, you can still you can kind of see a little bit of yeah, phosphorescence bit. there. Yeah. It's pretty neat. It is. It is uh, very very cool, and um, we are going to talk about. The very um, historic and gory New York City riot that actually involved body parts and doctors, and it really changed things as far as grave robbing goes. So we have some really dramatic stories for who you doesn't today. Like here. Grave robbing and riots. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 strange things going on with body parts. I just love that. I'm totally in for all of that. So um, <laughs> I think we're all in for that. <laughs> so uh, we have. Um, oh yeah, you can kind of see the definitely. Point. If you are eating your lunch while you're listening to us today, hold on to your firm constitutions because we have some um, pretty graphic, gory stories um, from Boston to New York today. But we do want to start out with um, a couple of quick notes. So um, today I'm super excited because it is the first day astrologically we're moving into the sign of leo yes <laughs> yes i saw that my my life goes so well when the sun is in the sign of leo because mm-hmm. my birthday is coming up in um just about three weeks mm-hmm. so anytime we're in leo it's always a really good time for me so i'm like energized i feel really good even though mercury is in retrograde um although uh that has presented a fair share of surprise over the past week Um, but I'm super excited that we're in Leo so it's all about creativity and passion and fiery energy so I'm all down with that which is really super cool although I could do without some of the fiery heat because um, in the in the past three days, um, I actually did five melted. tours. Melted this um, weekend. Yeah, totally melted on the streets of Portsmouth. And if you have never been out on cobblestone streets baking in the yeah. sun yeah. at about 100 degrees all day for several days, it literally will melt the shoes right off your feet. And the shoes I was wearing on Friday night's tour, the uh, the labels and part of the inside actually melted. And melted um, shoe. After about two hours. That's how hot it was. Oh, all the brick sidewalks. Yeah, the brick sidewalks are brutal. It's literally like a brick oven in Portsmouth. Yeah. And um, last night when I took folks out on the Wicked Haunted Waterfront Tour, and by the way, our tours were all sold out that mm-hmm. we were doing, um, 
it was 99 uh, degrees last night when I brought the walking tour out along the waterfront, and the breeze did not help. We stood in the shade, and, you know, luckily everybody was prepared. They had their water bottles and, you know, ready to go, but man alive, those are some of the hottest tours we've done so far this year. Well, the greenheads. The bugs? Uh, we actually, I saw you had problems. I had all kinds of problems yesterday. <laughs> with, it's the worst I've ever seen it yesterday. Luckily, was, we didn't. It was uh, too hot for the mosquitoes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was too hot for anything else to move. But yeah, uh, the stifling humidity didn't help either. No, it didn't help either. So um, greenheads, huh? Yeah. Where was this? Oh, on Plum Island. Uh, oh well, yeah. They, no, it was, it was, they it, like it, being around the ocean. It was actually in his car. Yeah, I got oh. one, and one was in my car, stowed away. Did it get you? Yes, it did. But Even she's worse. Dead. Yeah, and he, right. got, he got it. Got what he deserved. <laughs> very so, dead. Yeah, very, very dead. Good. So, um, so yeah, so we're uh, happy that the weather is finally starting to break. But um, in the interim, I got an, an interesting email from a uh, lovely lady I had met um, when I was doing a presentation on Haunted York County. And she said, I showed up, she says, because I knew I had to meet you. And she actually has the second largest collection in the world of Ouija boards. And she had a million and one stories for me about Ouija boards. She actually brought pictures of them, had different stories of how some were sent to her that allegedly were cursed, and how she was very much into the history and folklore of spirit boards. So I really enjoyed talking with her, and I told her, you know, stay in touch, and if you come across any stories that I might be able to share with my tour guests, that would be great. And I got an email from her actually last week, and she says, you have to check out this local auction listing up in Waterboro and in Waterboro, Maine. And I checked out the auction listing and I was like, $30. I have to have this. And (laughs) I showed it to Ken and I was like, Ken, when are we ever going to find a curious artifact like this? Again, and we're now having and to research this. We we started doing research again. It just came in the mail um, a couple of days ago. We brought it here in the studio today. It is old. It's from the 1800s, and believe it or not, it's directly connected to us. Yes, it more is. or less, it's connected to Ken. And that was one of the reasons why I had to buy it. This is something that I naturally, when I'm at antique shops, I look for. And I haven't been able to find one, let alone that's been remotely affordable. And it looks like, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, it looks like a sandwich. It does. And it looks yeah, like a big Pop-Tart. It does. A well. big Pop-Tart. You, you definitely do not want to bite this. Well, it's just wrapped in foil. We so gotta... it's wrapped in foil, and um, I'm going to open it up here. And it is, um, again, it's from the 1800s. It's flat. And um, I am so thankful for the Ouija board woman to have given um, me the auction listing. And the Good guy call. the guy that um, we bought this from does a lot of strange and curious things, everything from antique witchcraft books to bizarre old photographs. But what we found, and I'll show you the back. I'm not going to show you the front yet. <laughs> So I'm going to show yeah. this to you, Lou. Yep. So this is just the back. Can you guess what it is? Can you guess what it is from Without the back? Without seeing the front? Without seeing the front. It's a metal plate. There's an, something emblematic on the front. It's there a is. Uh, taxi thing. Taxi. No. <laughs> not a taxi. Not it's not a taxi. No. No. no it's, it's, it's most Look, likely, I'd say, probably 1860 a little to more probably about 1890. So it's, it's a curiosity. Yeah. It's a, it's a curiosity. And these were either stolen or they were gifted to the family were they on caskets they are oh. yes bingo it's a casket plate but it's a, a very it's a very special casket plate you ready yeah. Yeah, we don't just buy just any no casket we don't plate. buy just yeah. any casket plate okay so here comes <clears throat> the reveal and it's absolutely gorgeous hopefully you'll be able to see it um all right here we go mm-hmm. the name on it is uh, wicker get out <laughs> J. W. Zwicker. Wow. It's a hand-carved silver-plated coffin plate from right, the right late 1800s. Holy cow. And Hand I engraved. paid $30 for this. Wow. 
And when you look at the engraving, you can see clearly it was engraved very deeply by hand with all of the scroll cutting that's you in it. You can see the scoring hand. marks, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, can wow. see all the score on there. Nice silver plate. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's actually it's quite heavy, too. Um, there is a stamp in the back, so um, I have to take a closer look at it. Um, probably under a magnifying glass and maybe clean that little spot in the back a little bit more yep. to see if I can figure out what the maker's mark on this is. Um, when I talked to um, the seller about where it came from, if there was any additional information, he gave me the name of the family that he purchased it from. Their name actually was not Zwicker. Um, he told me what town in Maine they were in. So, of course, um, I first looked up uh, J.W. Zwicker, and the only ones that I were able to find were largely um, from the 1940s on, um, going all the way up to Lunenburg, Canada, which yeah, is where which Ken's is, family is which from. Which is where the family came into yeah. the country from. Going well, all, to all the way, yeah, true, and all the way up. Lunenburg, Lunenburg. Nova Scotia. It's, kind of oh, Nova Scotia. it's a little south of Halifax. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And um, the About other... About an hour south, yeah. Yeah. The other um, J.W. Zwickers that uh, I could find branched all the way out to Ohio. However, this wouldn't have been the right time frame for them. Again, because they were like 1950s and on. And also, I noticed that um, several of the J.W. Zwickers that we had looked at actually had died under the age of 20. One was like 12 years old, and it was really just kind of strange to go down that rabbit hole and see who all these J.W. Zwickers were. Yeah. So um, what I'm going to try to do is, I, because I haven't had a chance just yet because it's still so new to us, is start to research the family's name that he bought this off of so I can see if I can make a connection because maybe you know there was a marriage. Relationship and marriage. Yep. So um, maybe there's something that's there. But um, What this year is, are we putting this at? This is probably 1860 to uh, about 1880 um, due to the size and shape and just the time frame the that they actually used to use these um, because then they started to become more machined and much smaller. And um, again, it's very intriguing to me in the respect that I'm hoping that this was given to the family because typically a burial, if the family requested, they would give them the coffin plate. However, there are lots of stories in particular right in your town in Newburyport of grave robbings where they would actually take these and sell them, you know, for sure. a couple of bucks a piece back in the day. Was so, the silver worth anything back then? Well, silver plate, sure. Mm -hmm. they, they'd melt it down and reuse it. <laughs> I mean, and this is this is a, a pretty substantial chunk. I mean, it's not bendable. It's, you know, it's no, really, it's really nice. it's a piece of metal. Um, mm. it, it, so I'm wondering, um, again, what that piece of the story is. Um, the first place that I went to to try and research it was Find a Grave. And um, Find a Grave has is, is always been a great resource for me, but I haven't been able to find any J.W.'s wickers mm -hmm. on there in Maine. So I'm going to have to kind of go down and see um, what else I can find. So I love, love, love stuff like this. Yeah. And honestly, you know, you're not going to find a lot of these coffin plates out there, let alone are you ever going to find a coffin plate. And, and Ken's last name is very unusual. Yep. Um, my last name as well now. It was more um, rare even just, you know, 30 years ago. Right. But to find it with, with that, that name. And may be connected. I mean. Well, you yeah, just have to likely one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Ken's name is so you know so unusual. Whenever we come across somebody that has the same last name, yeah. chances are we're able to actually draw the connection, whether it's North Shore up yeah. the coast to Maine or. In I mean, Lundenburg. most of the workers came over to Lunenburg, Canada, about 1751. You guys don't talk about boats. it much, but you've gone into genealogy, right? You've pretty much you. Oh, I've spent a lot of time, yeah. yeah. On, on family trees and yeah. trying to figure things out. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping, and, you know, if we piece anything together with this, we'll definitely let everybody on the show know. But, um, you know, when are you going to find a 19th century coffin plate with your unusual name, name on, it? on it? Yeah. Um, and I, I, was, I was so absolutely delighted mm -hmm. to get this. So um, I want to be able to find a shadow box or something to display it in. I'm not going to clean it. Ken asked me if I wanted to polish it up. And I think the only thing that I'm going to do is just on the back. Back, 
yeah. is try to figure out what the maker's mark is to see if I can get place that it. Nice old patina to it. It does. I mean, it's just beautiful it's, piece. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. It's in excellent condition. It's not scraped up or anything. No, it's not scratched or anything. So it looks like it was taken care of. It point. does, and the back doesn't look like it was pried off or snapped. It still has the teeth that's mm-hmm. on it. So that tells me that it was. It probably was Gifted. carefully removed as opposed to broken off. Right. Um, so again, that's why I'm hoping, you know, that at least we know that it was, you know, properly removed mm-hmm. and given to the family. So um, it's pretty darn cool, and um, it's it's probably one of my my favorite finds. And my you know my hat goes off to that woman for sending me an email. I emailed her back and I says, as soon as you told me about it, I bought it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I says, you know, She's no. like, yes, yeah, and, how um, could you not? Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm definitely keeping an eye now to um, to this antique dealer because he has a lot of you know, again, real oddity, eccentric stuff, and his prices are great. So um, that was our, our super fun find here. And um, I'll, uh, I'll take a picture of it and post it on our Facebook page as well um, if you're not listening to us on Facebook Live. So you can, you can find that um, probably a little bit later today on there. But um, this really got me to thinking about what <laughs> doesn't take, actually doesn't take much, yeah. but it got me to thinking about <laughs> graves and grave robbing yeah. and things of that nature. And um, one of the things, I'm not sure if we had mentioned um, on the, the show previously, because we're, you know, we're always digging into graves. <laughs> ah, I know. Um, and uh, it was funny because when we talk about the point of graves in Portsmouth, we walk around the cemetery and we tell people, you know, that at one time there were 200 gravestones there. They did a survey in 1908, and today there's 125 gravestones. And I have this great article from the Boston Globe. It's long about 1985 that the point of graves in the North Cemetery in Portsmouth were actually raided by descendants who were doing genealogy research and they were taking the gravestones from the cemeteries rather than taking pictures of them. And also at that time, and I was alive in the 80s, you were alive in the 80s, you may have been around in the 80s. I was around in the 80s. (laughs) There was a trend, and I can't even imagine how macabre this is, of gravestone coffee tables. Oh, interesting. And some of the largest and oldest gravestones would command up to $2,000. Makes sense. So people were going and taking gravestones from the north and from the point of graves, specifically in this article, and selling them and making coffee tables out of them. Amazing. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) seriously. So um, it's kind of strange today when you walk around the cemetery because... You know, there's a million reasons why we're losing gravestones. You know, whether yeah. it's they're falling apart or there's frosties. Do you still sell them anymore? Do they still sell them? Could could you? I don't no, think so anymore. Technically, if, if you had one and you wanted to resell it, for example, could you do it? I don't. I think in because the they have state lots of, of controls now. Like you can't take grave rubbings past a certain age, or well, you can't do in um, New Hampshire. You can't do grave rubbings unless it's for educational purposes, and you actually have to go to the city or town and get permission. And they don't like to give permission. So you can't do artwork or anything. Like no, that, but so. you you can do foils. So if you take there's um, certain types of foil that you can buy. It's called a foil pressing. Um, over in Europe, the, they call them brass rubbings. And you can put it around the gravestone, and it'll just take the impression of the shape so that's on press, there. Press it so, in. Yeah, it's called foiling. So you can do that, which really isn't that different than doing gravestone rubbing. Yeah, I, I was going to say, well, I don't do, think that's any yeah, less invasive. almost more invasive. Than yeah, it, it does. It, does. it yeah. seems that way. Um, so what do you do with the pressing or, or the foil? So, you, so the you use fo- it as a print? Well, yeah, you yeah. would have the impression of the gravestone and then you could either frame it or you could use it for prints as well. Okay. So um, it's it's just, it's kind of strange when you look around and you know you look at the gravestones and some are gone from natural causes but some are also gone because of theft which really, yeah. really disappoints me. Yeah. I mean, let alone vandalism. Well, uh, and vandalism. I mean, vandalism's thing. a whole other category mm-hmm. and, and that's something that... That's a whole show in yeah, itself. That, that really is upsetting to us because we look at, you know, Portland, Maine and I think out of any city or town, maybe with a close exception of Cops Hill in Boston, um, no cemetery was desecrated as much as the Eastern. Ugh. Between you know 1989 and 1993, two men with baseball bats actually went into the cemetery and smashed out 1,943 gravestones in wow. the span of about four years, and most of those stones were 16 and 1700s. Jeez. And they got community service. That's it. 
that's it. So um, in the western as well, right? Yeah, and the western got hit as that well. That one's really obvious because there's just stone stumps everywhere. Yeah, still it's just yeah, it. it's just it's, all just all that's left, yeah. basically right in the ground. World stumps of the stones. It, it, yeah, yeah, there's 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 nothing left. I it mean, still looks just, vandalized there, unfortunately. It does. Yeah, yeah the western still it's, needs it's a lot really of work. It's really showing there. Oh, absolutely. And the eastern they're doing some work on, but you can you can't oh, replace yeah. those stones. Yeah, this is missing gaps now. Absolutely. So in kind of bringing this subject up. I decided to kind of go back and revisit some of the places that um, we've heard stories of grave robbing and how old it is here in New England, and um, actually, and, and, and of course, and why, and where some of the bodies actually, well, in part and parcel, dare I say. <laughs> ended up and how there were riots in the Northeast over grave robbing as well. So we've got some amazing stories to share with you. So what we're going to do is we want to tell you those stories pretty much uninterrupted. So we're going to keep you hanging on the line a little bit and hi to Miguel and Sandra and everybody Hello, that's everybody. listening. Hey, how you doing? So get yourself a strong constitution right now while we take the break strong drink Str well that too whatever it's going to take and we'll be back in just a minute you're listening to wicked curious For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really wanna share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash roxyswicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities. And we are about to take a morbid look at... 
the Spunker Club. What? Spunker Club. What do you think a Spunker Club would do? I got no idea. That what, what I want to have anyway. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Would you? Would you join a organization called the Spunker Club? No, I would run the other way. <laughs> sounds doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, the uh, the other name for this very illustrious club was called the Anatomical Club. So how does how does that now? That doesn't make it any better. No, doesn't make it any better. Doesn't make it any better. No. And this was a very elite club, by the way. And elite, they, like blue buds. Well, actually, yeah. yes, because yeah. Um, one of the members was William Eustace, who was one of the governors of Massachusetts, and even Samuel Adams' son was oh. part of this club. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so yes, indeed. And they took, he brought the beer. Well, of course. Right. <laughs> Trust me, what they were doing, I'm sure they needed a lot Always of Always a good decision. Also, yeah. <laughs> nice one, Ken. Always a good decision. Just say it. So um, this particular organization really considered what they were doing as a fine art. But when you find out the art of what they were doing, you will find it probably more morbid and disturbing than picturing what fine art truly is Mm -hmm. and um, we're going to have to go back to the illustrious intriguing Harvard University Yes, to start with this story and this story actually goes back much further than you might realize which was founded like the 1600s it was founded Mm -hmm. in the 1600s in fact at the point of graves God everything comes back to the point of of graves we actually have um, some folks that are are buried there the Vaughns that were graduates in Harvard College in 1696 Mm -hmm. so Harvard goes back quite a while but we're going to start back in 1999 And, you know, renovations of old buildings sometimes reveal more secrets than we might realize. Yeah, all the hidden stuff comes out. And boy (laughs) does it. And boy does it. But I'll tell you, it was probably one of the most unlikely buildings on the Harvard campus to find what they found. And it just happened to be at the Holden Chapel. So here we have this, you know, beautiful church. We actually, Ken and I were just uh, over at Harvard about a month ago. Yeah, we were through while we were in Boston and it just so happens you know the drywall gets a little old and they got to do some work and they're going to take it down and send in the workers send in the workers and build a new wall and what they found in pieces and chunks and parts in the wall and bits were the remains of 11 bodies Holy cow. Of men and women in the walls. Pieces. Yeah. So they had to, of course, reassemble them and try and figure out what had happened and how this had happened. And now we have to now make the connection to all of the grave robbing that was going on. So the club that I had mentioned. 11 parts of 11 people or 11 complete people? Well, (laughs) they were able to determine it was 11 people, both men and women. And what was fascinating about some of the pieces that they found is they still had bits of metal in the bones because they figured they were, you know, assembling and disassembling full skeletons. So they just left the metal in the bones and then walled the bones up in the basement of the church. And the group organization that was doing that, again, is the Anatomical Club or um, the Spunker Club, which is just such a great name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we actually have to go back to the 1700s for this and you would think that this is more of a Victorian thing because we often think of you know grave robbing and modern medicine being during Victorian times however at Harvard University they were going back to the 1700s because they could only get two bodies a year two two cadavers to work on so now think of all of the classes that yeah. they were having and all the different the sessions very early years of yeah American I mean, medical research b- before we even really called it you know medicine as it was mm-hmm. in the 19th century so to do as as, as many lectures and as much teaching as they had to, the bodies they had were just not sufficient enough for their needs. They weren't available. Well, they were they were available. They were, you know, well. <laughs> they're they're out there in the graves. So there was so plenty of supply. Th- yeah. There was definitely. <laughs> this wasn't legitimately available. No, no. So, um, you know, it was uh, it was actually the students who decided that it was the perfect opportunity to go and disinter some of the bodies. And 
like I said, they considered it an art. Wasn't it you in a show that maybe it was England, but wasn't it you who told us there were certain medical schools where it's like bring your own cadaver? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. We've discussed this. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We've we, we've discussed that on other shows, but um, the kind of the depository for what they had <laughs> dug up um, here at Harvard was a little bit more unique rather than just putting what wasn't used back in a hole. They put it in the walls of the church to hide their secrets. So when they went and exhumed the bodies, this club, they made sure that they actually had a method. It was three guys that would go out or three people that would go out, and two of them were responsible for basically picking the lawn up and essentially rolling it up and then pulling the body out and closing it back up and making it essentially look like nothing had happened. They had this down. Rather than haphazardly removing... Grave Robbing 101. Yeah. Well, there it is. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe there was a course in that they ha- had, had taught. Well, it was a college. Well, it was a college, so <laughs> yeah. maybe, you know... They, well, no, this is more than just one college. I mean, well, this no, it's true. Over. Well, right, and, and we're going to go into um, how, how other places well, did yeah, they it made well. it so it looked like the graves weren't disturbed at all. Yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was pretty amazing. So in addition to the college actually hiring what we're known as, and I, I love this term, we need to bring it back, resurrection men. Resurrection men. So the college. This is the coolest yeah, name so ever. It sounds it like a movie title. It does. Or a band, yeah. Or a band. Yep. The resurrection the men. The resurrection men. So the college had employed resurrection men to get bodies, but then this club sprung up, and they thought it was the perfect opportunity for them to each, like you said, kind of bring your own body to school. But in the end, they essentially needed a place to put them, you know, to kind of hide what they had done and the quantity of bodies that they had exhumed. So they ended up putting them in the walls of the church. So I've got um, a few. Okay, this is Harvard, right? (laughs) This is Harvard. They didn't have a better solution than let's stick them in the walls of the church? Uh, Apparently not. Apparently not. So um, I want to read just a. um, Go ahead. They were ill-gotten cadavers. I mean, they were stolen. They weren't, you know, so, I mean, it kind of makes sense because churches back then would have definitely been beyond reproach. So let's stash stash everything there. Nobody's going to question the church. Oh, absolutely. At the end of the course, put them back. Yeah, (laughs) you you would think. No, no, they decided not to do that. Because they'd get caught putting them back and then probably get arrested. So um, so let me uh, just uh, read to you uh, a, a little bit here. I'm willing to bet this was a look the other way thing. Oh, a- absolutely. For the Cambridge police, or probably for Cambridge a while, officials. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is this is it's it's going to be a, a little bit weirdly worded. Um, this is uh, a 2012 article in the Journal of Social Archaeology. Now, remind reminding everybody that this incident that we're going to be talking about is from a 1775 letter. So we're going back to the 1700s. 1775. So uh, John Warren in this letter had described a grave robbery. So again, we're 1775 speak. So the grave robbery done with so little decency and caution that it needs scarcely be said that it could not have been done without the work of our friends, the Spunker Club. So, uh, of course, with that... As soon as this really started to come out, there was an act. It was called the Act to Protect the Sepulchres of the Dead in 1815. The what of the dead? <laughs> the sepulchres. Sepulchres? Sepulchres. Okay. It's like... Uh, of the dead. It's, it's House of the Dead, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So making a disturbance of bodies illegal and prompting a citywide patrol of graveyards and burial grounds. So it was decided to uh, bring in more bodies from outside the city. And the Boston Gazette said that body snatchers were emptying at least six to seven hundred graves annually to supply Harvard College. That's a lot. That is a lot. So um, in 1829, the Massachusetts Medical Society published a plea claiming that medical students had no other choice but to pursue their studies, quote, in defiance of the law of the land. Hmm. And, of course, then Massachusetts in 1831 took matters into their own hands, so to speak. Massachusetts. That's right. Um, and they passed the Anatomy Act of 1831, which allowed for the dissection of unclaimed bodies of the indignant, insane, and imprisoned. So it was now a, an As opportunity. As judged by the state. And yes. <laughs> probably 
And it probably did involve a tax. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's, it absolutely did. Absolutely. Um, by the way, Lou, how much do you think it cost to buy a cadaver back in the day? What year are we talking So uh, let's say 1842. So if you were looking to buy a dead body, what do you think you'd spend? $15. Oh, you are really close. Yeah. You are super close. It was $25, oh, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, in, in today's day and age would be about 800 bucks. Yeah. For, for a body, it's actually not too bad. and um, As bodies go. As bodies yeah, really. go. You can spend a lot more, I'm sure. So besides the club and besides the resurrection men, you know, if you're a janitor and you're looking to pick up a few bucks and you're working over at Harvard, why not get interested too? And uh, the janitor, Ephraim Littlefield, who worked for Harvard in 1842, uh, supplied the uh, cadavers to the school for 25 bucks a body. And in yeah, it, a little side business. He, you know? he, he yeah. did. You know, a little extra drinking money right yeah. there. So, uh, of course... Um, that that went on for a number of years and until the mid to late 1800s and um you know everything started to to taper off there but there there were other incidents which we're going to get into um not too far away that created some issues so the decision someone made uh to take the remains that were left from the dissections and they were dumped in the basement of uh the Holden Chapel which was actually used um by the medical school school up until uh, the late 1900s, and 150 years later, that's where they found them, all the parts walled up in the basement of the chapel Mm -hmm. at Harvard University when they were doing their drywall. Can you yeah, can you no, imagine the guy doing the drywall? And bones fall out. Yeah, I mean, come on. Skull, whatever, jawbone. You, you know, and you're, you're there. I'm and you're sure like, they've seen everything. <laughs> wall, walled up, though, in yeah, the basin like, of a chapel? I don't know if I'd oh, see that coming. Here so, we go again. I the numbers don't coming. match. They had all these um, they had all these bodies that were snatched over a period of time, and only 11 ended up in the church? Only 11 ended up in the church? Hmm. Limited dump them in other areas or even well well as as we're going to explain with our our next source of stories there were other ways to dispose Mm -hmm. of the bodies but um that's the holden chapel i'm putting up you'll see it in a second oh okay so well yeah we'll take a it makes me wonder though i mean you know 600 bodies annually up to i mean there it is how many cemeteries you go into were just you, you go to a grave and the body might not be there. Well, I mean, you, Cops, you'll Hill, never know. Cops Hill you'll is never famous know. for that. Point, they're going, damn, another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let someone who's keeping track. <laughs> well, they, they couldn't tell if they put the the soil and everything back, you know, so oh, no, undisturbed. You, so you, you, you never, won't even know. Yeah, you never That's would. That's the chapel right there? Yeah, that was the chapel right there. Yeah. You never, never um, would have guessed. Well, it's interesting. Something like this is happening at the Vatican right now where they're looking for that body. Oh, in, indeed. And they found a bunch of other bones. Indeed. It's in the oh, news really? this weekend. So, um, of, of course, we... doesn't we, surprise me in the least. No, no. it doesn't. doesn't surprise yeah, me either. Uh, so I did want to mention as well in regards to uh, dissection of, of bodies. This is just a great lunchtime conversation mm. show today. Um, <laughs> there was a, uh, an interesting 1784 Massachusetts law. Um, and I, I love these old, you know, colonial revolutionary laws. Um, and this one was actually to discourage dueling. Okay. So, you know, that was the thing. So, you know, we're going to we're going to settle this with a duel. Mm-hmm. And it it happened. I mean, Boston Common has so many stories of, you know, duelings gone wrong and and all of yeah, that. Yeah, this, this was like an accepted thing. Yeah, this, this, this really happened. Yeah, this this was a thing. So, you you'd have it out with dueling. How many things these days you think rise to a dueling level? What kind of things are I, they fighting about? I think it was that just would rise a, to a let's shoot each you other. You know, I think it'd just be a simple card game or right. a barroom disagreement. Right, or, yeah. or you know, simply who was right or who was wrong. I mean, we see that out on the streets of Portsmouth. You know, after midnight on a weekend. I mm-hmm. mean, back in the day, they'd probably duel it out. Who are the famous politicians that died in the duel? Oh, that was in Hamilton uh, and Burr. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was a common thing. It yeah. wasn't just Hamilton was killed, right? Yeah, I believe it was. So and that was just a petty disagreement too wasn't it? Oh it was yeah it wasn't wasn't anything horribly serious so the 1784 Massachusetts law dictated that the slain duelist would be either buried in a public place without a coffin with a stake driven through his body or Uh. (laughs) look at you guys or given to 
a surgeon for medical dissection. Oh, really? So if you died in a duel, you just kind of gave up your bodily Yeah. Yeah, you gave up rights. your Yeah. And they could do what they, what they wanted and with it the to discourage the dueling. The body was if you gave if you gave up your body to medical, you were not going to heaven, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> they weren't going to matter what. Oh, they oh no, just... of course not. Of course not. <laughs> so, um to this day, the only federal law pertaining to supplying cadavers was actually passed in 1790. Hmm. And um it gave uh, federal judges the right to uh, to add dissection to the death penalty. Really? Yep. Since you 1790, be killed and dissected. Yeah, oh. and a federal judge can order that. Okay. Wow. Well, it, but remember, we have the um, that Not gentleman. Not sure I have a problem with that. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> Well, we have um, the gentleman in Boston that we talked about previously, um, and it's at the. Um, Right in downtown Boston, the book that is bound with his own human skin. The human skin book, right. yeah. Right, and that's because the judge had, had ordered after his death that his body be used for dissection. He said, as long as you can make a, a, a book out, out of my skin, then, I'll, yeah. yeah, you know, then go ahead. Yeah, this is, the, the, oh, yeah. Was the, the book was about him, too, yeah, and the, his the, documentation? Yeah, the, the, the book was a, 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 a diary about him. Yeah. And it's bound in his own skin. And it's skin. bound in his own skin. And where is it now? It's it's in it's in uh, it's in Boston at the Athenaeum. That's awesome. Did he have lotion in the basket? <laughs> <laughs> had to, had to ask, well, didn't you? Yeah. You had it's kind had of demand to. basket. <laughs> so um, so we're gonna jump now over to uh, <laughs> to New York City, and if you thought the story from Harvard was bad. This one, even as I was researching it, um, my stomach was totally churning. And uh, you've probably heard of Columbia University and, well, or, or Columbia College. And mm -hmm. what was going on there? Ken said, you know, if it was me, I probably would have done the same thing. And I'm like, Ken, what are you talking about? Well, well, we'll we'll, t we'll tell you, but Ken didn't get, look. He's laughing now. Look, he's I, I laughing. Saw the, I saw the humor in this. I don't see the humor. This is just grotesque. You know, there, there has to be that mortician's humor. You I mean look what you're dealing with every day? Oh God, I'm, I, it's n oh, I can't <laughs> even. And to a child, no. Okay, less. well, see that that crosses the line. Okay, well, all right. So at least you have some sort of standards there. Just, just barely. All right. So, uh, of course, um, New York's big famous medical college was uh, Columbia College, mm -hmm. and um, they too were having issues uh, trying to collect bodies for dissection. And it, it's funny because it was thought in New York there was a, a pushback because it was thought to be sacrilegious, much like you had just mentioned. Yep. And people did not want at all bodies being taken for that specific reason. So there was already some tension, and that tension really led to what became known as the riots. And you know, think of these riots back in the day. We're mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna describe them Rioting. in a minute. Rioting over dead bodies, and um, riots were more common back then too. They they were yes. a little bit a little bit more uh, more common. They I guess we could cable. say. So, yeah. <laughs> Had to do something. No, I I I, I suppose. So um. Once again, you had people that were making money, and some of them were actually digging up bodies of friends and relatives, and everybody was uh, looking for for a few bucks to supply the college. And allegedly, the riot started. Uh, oh boy, it was 1873, and a young boy was walking by uh, the college. And there was a surgeon who looked out the window at the young boy and took the arm of a cadaver and waved it at the boy. There was a fresh Hello. cadaver. Can you imagine out the window waving the cadaver's okay. arm? And, and Ken's like, I, I do something like that. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Why were they in full view of everybody at a window? I don't It doesn't know. happen these days. I, no, it you was can't, a hot day. It was a hot day. So, so the boy saw the arm, clearly, as the surgeon was waving it out the window at him. And the boy went home, told his father. His father was a Freemason. And the strange thing was, Look, this, it's stranger, yeah. this is where it really takes a turn. The father decided that there's something amiss with this very fresh body over there. And after the boy's description, 
the father went to the graveyard because the boy's mother had died recently. He determined the grave had been opened, her body was missing, and the arm that the surgeon was waving out was actually the boy's mother's arm. That's just poor staff work right there. How strange is that? Oh, wow. (laughs) How insane is that? So that started the riots. And these riots lasted for days. And um, I'm going to give you uh, some of the accounts, again, from the newspaper, word for word. So um, you can just picture yourself in the middle of Well, they were definitely getting sloppy with their practice. They were getting really sloppy with their practice. And um, again, just keep in mind that this... This account is going to be a, a little bit brutal here. So um, this was in a, uh, a letter uh, that was published originally to the governor of Virginia. And here we go. The cry of barbarity and etc. was soon spread. The young sons fled in every direction. One took refuge in a chimney. The mob raised, and the hospital apartments were ransacked. In the anatomy room were found three fresh bodies. One was boiling in a kettle. Two others were being cut up with certain parts of the two, and I'm just going to be really careful here with the wording on this. I'm going to have to paraphrase. Think of it. Think of it this way: two body parts that you probably would not want to see hanging up in a brutal position. The naughty bits. Yeah. Ah. Thanks, Ken. Ah. Put the, it nicely. The circumstances, together with the wanton and apparent uh. inhuman complexion of the room, exasperated the mob beyond all bounds to the total destruction of every anatomy in the hospital. So the doctors, <clears throat> excuse me, and the medical students fled. And a few of them, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> tried to stay behind to guard the valuable specimens that were left because a lot of them, the more strange ones, were actually imported from other places. And while they're there trying to fight off the mob, the mob got in there, and this is, this is where you're going to lose me now. They took the specimens out into the street, the mob did, and they burned them in front of everybody. I can't even imagine what this looked like. It's just how weird is that? There's and and we're talking a mob that was estimated at 5,000 people pulling out world's all- worst barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how, how strange is this? I mean, they're they're rioting oh. because of the corpse abuse. And oh, what do they do? They take them out in the streets and yeah. burn them. Instead of like trying oh, to... They've already been desecrated. So. Yeah, so right. let's just keep going. So... On the second day, that was just day one. On the second day, the mob is still out there, and they're looking for the doctors and the students, which the police ended up taking them into protective custody to save them. And all of the mob ended up going to the college's museum and their library and their chapel and even their residences to try to find even more of the specimens and body parts. And finally, they ended up over at the police station, and they attacked the jail, yelling to the police. Attacking the jail. They were attacking the jail, asking the police to bring out the doctors because they wanted to yeah. have at them. They wanted blood. They, they truly, truly wanted blood. Um, one of the rioters actually got inside the jail. Um, he ended up being killed uh, by the guards, and... And this is where it even starts to get even more strange. Uh, The governor called out the militia to try to quell this angry mob, and they were ordered not to fire their muskets. And uh, finally, the Secretary of Foreign Affairs was there, and uh, he got his skull cracked with a rock. Mm. And guess Mm. who was hit by a brick? And this is going to be a name that you should know. Revolutionary War hero General Baron von Steuben he did. Was there, Got and they threw a brick. a brick at him, at his head. Wow. And they couldn't restrain the militiamen, and after Baron von Steuben got hit, that's when they opened fire. And they said they killed up to 20 people in this riot. So, von I mean... Von trained the troops at Valley Forge. Was, yes, yeah. he did. He I was... Generally considered to be one of the main reasons the U.S. won the war. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was at this riot. And he was at this medical body part. New York doctors riot. Hit with the brick. Can you imagine? 
So That's how crazy this was. So finally, when the riots calmed down, uh, groups were being formed. Um, again, I, I love the names that they were coming up with back in the day. The Dead Guard Men. So these were groups that would go out to the burial grounds and the graveyards and stand watch to make sure that the graves were not, des- you know, pretty much desecrated yeah, after so this. Yeah, like so the neighborhood watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neighborhood body watch. Classy. Yeah. Um, however, this was not the only anatomy riot that took place in the country in the 18th and 19th century. There were several others, um, pretty much they said there were 17 of them from 1765 through 1854, and they included cities like New Haven, um, Baltimore, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and it was all because people were upset over grave robbing and all the dissections and you know other people were saying you know there's nothing we can do how do we learn our medicine we have no choice mm-hmm. um, and and it was hard because you know the the only bodies they were getting at that time depending on where you were were either the executed criminals or you know people that were stealing from the graves and these are small towns everybody knew each other they yeah. did I mean they were taking bodies that you know were baking pies like not yeah. that long ago. This is my grandmother. You yeah. know, I know. I know. Fred's is, aunt. You know? It, it, isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So, um, so of course, as you know, as time went on, uh, they started to enact more laws, like we had said here in in Massachusetts. But, um, but still, it was. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine it. Well, well into the early 20th century, in some places of this grave robbing. So it always intrigues me, you know, when we're in more of kind of the metropolitan places because I don't have any any real stories of things like this happening so much in Portsmouth Mm -hmm. but you know places like you know Boston or even Worcester where all the medical schools right where all all the schools were you have to think to yourself you know how many of these graves are are actually empty where else they might find these parts because that was only 1999 yeah I mean that's you know definitely in our life and they were there they were hidden in the walls for a long time right and you know what else? But I mean, is, that's a prime example, though, there. where the you know medical advances were happening faster than the legislation. Wait a second, oh, what yeah. was 1999? Is when they found the oh, the, found the, 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 the body parts yeah. in, in the wall of the chapel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it's strange how this whole experience of of grave robbing and dissection it took some time well into the 20th century for a lot of the doctors at these colleges to actually be seen as reputable doctors and to mm-hmm. have a good reputation because people for years you know were talking about how bad it was well, it's religiously and, and, based yeah and oh, that's well, true yeah. i mean these people were considered monsters i mean why why else, you know you can you can see how frankenstein would have been inspired oh of these course these people are playing god Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we we tell this uh, amazing story um, when we do our presentations about the mad scientists from Malden, mm-hmm. Ephraim Gray. Which falls right into which, this. Which it, it's right in line with everything that was happening in the 19th century. Um, he was kind of like a, you know, a, a Frankenstein type of guy. He really wanted to know. Well, he wanted to be immortal. Right. He wanted to be immortal, but he wanted to know what happened after to the body death. Yeah. after death. And he conducted all these experiences. Uh, with who knows what in his house and and chemicals and foul smelling things and people wouldn't even that much does look like the people Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah people that didn't, even... you know, the lay people of the neighborhood. Yeah, the, yeah What I... is this crazy mad scientist doing in there? Yeah, and they wouldn't even walk on that same side of the street. And he had left orders with his servant that when he died, he didn't want to be embalmed, and he had been drinking this very strange elixir, elixir. for for months and months and months that was supposed to preserve him. And again, he was supposed to come back essentially from the dead. So he was buried in this huge mausoleum in Malden, and kids at Harvard Medical School heard what happened and they went and there were two attempts to steal his corpse the first attempt they were scared out by some mysterious sounds in the mausoleum they were there in the middle of the night maybe his ghost maybe maybe his ghost that was the <laughs> legend and there was a much more intrepid Harvard University student who decided you know what I'm not going to go to the trouble of removing the entire body I'm just going to take the head and he, he went with off. a saw, and he sawed his head off. <laughs> I'm losing him over there. No, 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 it's true. And he's 20th, 20th century. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, no, this was this was late 18, 1800s. Okay, yep. No, not right time period. Okay, yeah, late 1800s, and he went and sawed his head off, and they they had said that when he See, looked. That may have been an instance that didn't involve the second guy theory. <laughs> Here it comes again. Every I'm, show, I'm pretty every show. Is true. I'm pretty certain there wasn't a second guy in on that decision. No. So maybe we should say <laughs> about go this. Cut his head off. <laughs> yeah. Well, the. Uh, the details of the story were that when they opened the coffin um, on both occasions, they realized that something about the elixir might have worked because instead of his body rotting away, it had grown um, brown and hard, but it was preserved. So that's why the student wanted to take, you know, take the head. He figured he could do tests on the and head. And examine his body. Yeah. And, well, and, his and examine and try to figure out what the elixir was. But once again, he was thwarted. Seems like more work than just taking the whole body. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so um, once again, he was thwarted by whatever ghost was inside the mausoleum that was there. And when he was going to carry the head out, Allegedly, he heard all these noises. He dropped the head and ended up leaving it behind and ran back. So the story then went on that there was a lot of people that, were, I guess, were homeless in the area. And one guy was walking by the mausoleum one morning, and he saw this guy in white sheets stepping out the door of the mausoleum. And he thought it was Ephraim Gray come back to life. And he went and told people and come to find out another homeless man had moved into the mausoleum <laughs> and was living there and woke up in the morning and was coming out, which he thought was Ephraim Gray. Morning constitutional. <laughs> there, there yes. Yeah. But he, he didn't going to go down. The guy was washing himself in the river yeah he went down to wash himself Mm -hmm. in the mystic river yeah so uh, of course the story doesn't end there either so they end it's a mystery (laughs) they ended up and this story is actually in uh, my massachusetts book of the dead um they ended up having to build a roadway through where the cemetery was where Ephraim gray was buried and when they went to remove the mausoleum and pick it up and dismantled it they actually broke the chamber open where his coffin was and the coffin was empty. The body was gone. So the body, along with the head, ended up being gone. Huh? So the thought was, did people eventually get in there and steal the body? And were they able to determine what this elixir was? And again, on both incidents were relayed back to Harvard University that it was their students that had gone to Malden to extract from Gray's body. Well, of course, some people are like, did he really come back to life? Well, right. Well, uh, no uh, of course. About reattached that. his head at the same right, time. Right. Well, yeah. yeah so does, well, that's what I mean. So that was the Frankenstein again. Yeah. You know, he put his head back on and took off. So, um. It's just fascinating how all of this... But Harvard's not copying to this. Well, no, of course not. Nobody's admitting to this. No, yeah, nobody's admitting to anything. Yeah. But um, we found that story in the archives of Malden. Way back when. Way back when. And it just seems to dovetail with the story of yeah. body parts being found. So the first thing I thought of in when you 1999. I know. I was like, oh, my God. So I wonder, you know, were some of those bones, did they belong to Ephraim Gray? Yeah. Because you know his grave was oh, so was they robbed. Identified these they, quote, no, unquote, they, no, people? oh no, because oh. they're just they're little pieces. Oh, I see. Of, it's not like a whole skeleton. Chunks yeah. and bits. They're just yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love the I love the terminology. Kibbles and bits. That's right. And bits and bits. Kibbles and bits and bits and bits. <laughs> Which begs the question for me now: What is the modern day handling of this? Are there people who sell cadavers and body parts? Well, there's people that leave their is body that... to science. Well, I know, but I I, I want to know the capitalistic part of this is, is oh, there like a company who's, getting who's, who's making money now? off of that is there an amazon for cadavers <laughs> it could be yeah. there's an amazon for cadavers i need a left hand oh. cadaver Get supply lucky. it's cadaver prime day oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is free yeah. shipping buried in a six is foot long box somebody out there driving around in the company car selling Body parts and cadavers? <laughs> More of a van, I guess. I, I, oh, God. <laughs> the spray paint on the side. Oh, I don't know. It's coming through Boston? No, they yeah. could be handy in the, um, you know, the, uh, right. it's more the of HOV a lane. Hopefully oh. refrigerated van. <laughs> oh. Probably more of a refrigerated no. van. Oh, oh my oh, God. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah, you get around the traffic in the HOV lane. Well, well I mean, it, it's, it's different now. I don't think they, you know, probably need 
as many cadavers as they did back in the day. I don't think that. Yeah, is. there must be other how, channels. How are, they, or... how are they getting them? In other words, do you I mean, sign up to be a, after you're done? By, by all means, sell me. There, well, there are people that leave their bodies well, to science. Look now. at the, the Body Worlds exhibit. Those people left their bodies to be used, to be examined, and put on tour where they show the inside know, the of museums your body. Those people knew it was going to happen? They did. Oh, yeah, they the all yeah. signed up for this. They had signed up for this. I, I haven't been able to bring myself to go to that exhibit. I think the last one was down at um, Foxwoods, I believe, hmm. and they had it all set up, and they also I had I saw them at the Museum of Science. I was going to say that. Oh, did you go? Science. Did, you, yeah. did you really? Well, I didn't go for that. I just was there and... They so happen they, to be there. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice. It wasn't the most pleasant experience. No, well, yeah, either. and that's I, I kinda have to draw the line there. Yeah. I couldn't go and do that. But they did leave their bodies to be yeah. used for that. So some people do. Um so I guess maybe that probably answers yeah. the call of of what it is. I mean, because, you know, even these days on your license you can leave, you know, organ donor. Yeah. So um, does that include your cadaver? I mean, I don't know if that's, de- if that's deeper. If you need to sign some kind of contract for that, I we should we should investigate this because I don't know. I mean, listen, if I could get a few bucks to offset the the, <laughs> the burial, burial? the Viking right. funeral. <laughs> I was gonna say the Viking funeral at yeah. sea. Yeah, I might uh, sign up for this. This will pay for the boat that you can light on fire. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but there'll be less of you on the boat because they gave half of you away. Hmm. Good point. Yeah. Because they'd keep the body. Right. So what are they gonna put on the boat? I need a Viking funeral it, double. An effigy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just put an effigy of yourself on the... Let's <laughs> do a, a wax model of your body and put it out there. Well, perfect. Perfect. Like perfect the permits preserved. would be easier. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. It's just wax, yeah. It's just wax. A little more flammable. Wouldn't oh, take it no. much. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> So we uh, we just wanted to take you down that gory memory lane today in case you didn't know um, about the uh, probably, I mean, there's been a lot of riots in New York. I actually enjoyed the hell out of that. Did you? <laughs> I mean, this doesn't seem to be a problem these days, so no, they must have it, no, it figured out. It doesn't, but. we got to figure out how. But yeah, I mean, 1700s, 1800s, I can't even imagine something yeah. like that happening. But we, we wanted to just bring the you down. about the kid walking down the street and the surgeon's <laughs> waving, waving his, his mother's arm, arm, arm out the How, how strange is that? <laughs> it's pretty bad. This, these things really happen. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. 5,000 people burning body parts in the streets they of New York. Nuts. God works in mysterious ways, these, I guess. These godless, you know, <laughs> monsters destroying in- corpses. Wow. Indeed. But um, we will keep you posted on our mysterious coffin plate. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for more. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Buzzsprout, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And we will be back next week with more Wicked Curious. <laughs>